Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Today's guest is the co-founder and chief strategy officer of Storebound, a new age product innovation company that develops branded housewares, including small appliances and kitchen products, and distributes them through retailers such as Crate and Barrel, QVC, Home Shopping Network, Urban Outfitters, and Target, and many more. Previously, she was a buyer at Bed Bath & Beyond, and that's where she met her husband, Evan, and we'll talk about some of that in just a few minutes. Founded in 2010, Storebound has been focused on design, innovation, and empowering healthy living. Storebound was built by a team of senior retail industry executives that identified a new way of doing business in the housewares industry that has recently been redefined by retailer consolidation and online growth. One of the fastest growing companies in the housewares industry, Storebound has emerged as a leader in the healthy food prep space, which sounds kind of interesting considering where we are with COVID and we're all like, you know, making food at home again. So please welcome Rachel Dash. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Dr. Gary. Thanks so much for having me. Rachel, so let's start by talking a little bit about your background and how did you get into Bed Bath & Beyond and that whole buying thing? And I think that's a behind-the-scenes position that very few people even know what's entailed in that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I guess I started off going to school at University of Rhode Island for fashion merchandise and design. I was always really excited about that. And so I thought I was going to go into the fashion industry and always wanted to move to New York City after I graduated. So I moved to the Upper West Side. I was so excited to be in the city. And my first job out of college was working for an intimate apparel manufacturer, which I worked for for about two and a half years. And then I left there and I went to a sportswear manufacturer where they made children's clothing in the sportswear industry. And I then left there about two and a half years later, and you'll notice a pattern. And then I ended up moving to Long Island and starting my job at Bed Bath & Beyond as a buyer. The industry that I went into there was the consumer electronics business, which was great. And it was really very different than anything I had been a part of. And I was buying the gadgets kind of on the racetrack. When you go into Bed Bath, you walk around the racetrack, which is kind of the circular aisle that goes around the entire store. And so we never had dedicated space there, but we had space for giftables for Mother's Day or for Christmas or Hanukkah or any type of gift giving time is basically the area that I bought for. So it was really exciting. It was definitely the beyond part of Bed Bath and beyond. I wasn't buying, you know, housewares or towels or dishes or anything like that. Yeah, but consumer electronics, I'm an engineer, you know, I get some new stuff. I like that. Yeah. When you look back on that, what was the most fun thing you got to buy? Is there something that strikes you that you remember in the electronics world that you looked at and, well, this looks cool? 
So it's so funny because at the time, the sound spas were really popular, which were the alarm clocks with the new iPod plug-in. And people were just so excited about the new technology and having it next to your bed and being able to charge. And so we were in that. We bought alarm clocks, just basic alarm clocks. I bought a lot of fun kind of outdoor toys. We'd go to the toy fair every year and buy things for the Christmas and holiday time frame. So it was just really, really, it was a very fun category to be a part of. Yeah. With Bed Bath & Beyond, did you go into other areas besides consumer electronics? Did you do other buying later on or was that the last thing that you did with them? So I actually stayed there for about three years, I feel like. It was probably a little over three years. And at that point, I kind of hit that same point of my, you know, every job after two and a half to three years, I kept saying, all right, I'm kind of over this. I feel like I've learned a lot. Obviously, there's so much more to learn in these corporations, but I just was getting to the point where I felt like I was working so hard every day. I didn't really see much growth in my role at the time. And there was just so much, you know, the politics that go on in corporate America was just not something that I really enjoyed on a day-to-day basis. Although Bed Bath was was an amazing job for me. I loved working with them. I had such an amazing team that I worked with. And I feel like your job's great if you have a great team. It doesn't matter what you're buying or the products that you're reviewing every day. It's about who's around you. And I really took that to heart. And that's when I met my husband, Evan. He was my largest supplier at Bed Bath. So Evan and Corey own an electronics company and they sold me retro turntables. And what was so funny was that I never really knew anything about a record because I never owned a record. And so they would come in and talk about how, oh, we're converting our vinyls to CD or to tape. And it was just a really cool kind of giftable item that we sold a lot of. And so Evan walked in and I met with him a bunch and then when it was time for me to you know, move on in my career, I ended up reaching out to Evan and Corey and they hired me and they brought me onto their sales team. Okay. So now wait a minute. Did you go to work there because you thought Evan was somebody you wanted to date? And let's get personal here. Did you use your leverage for buying from Evan to be able to set that up? Come on, self-disclosure here. So it's funny because Evan actually didn't always come into the meetings. Corey was in a lot more just because he ran that business with Bed Bath specifically. Evan ran other retailers, but he's very charming. And I loved every time he came in and we had a great, you know, rapport just from the start. So at that point, there was nothing. There was no relationship like that at that point. But I always loved working with him. And I was really excited to learn so much from him just from his experience in retail and And that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. One of the threads that I'm hearing that's important here is you talked about going into design and fashion, and then you go into buying for manufacturers and you went to Bed Bath & Beyond. And after two and a half or three years, you'd learned what you needed to learn in those positions. I'm going to assume that based on what I'm hearing is you feel like you're a lifelong learner, that if you're not learning something, you get bored fast. Yeah. And I never want to be the person that says, I learned everything. There's nothing else to learn because that was never the case in any of these positions. I just felt like there was more to what I wanted to do. Like I was still young. I felt like I had the ability, luckily and thankfully, to be able to just jump. And I remember when I left Bed Bath, people asked me, where are you going? And there was a certain period of time where I didn't know. I didn't have a job. 
And they were like, oh, you know, that's interesting. You left without a job. And I always just said to myself, you know, you have dreams, you have aspirations, you know, make it happen. Don't just sit around and wait for things to come to you and and make it happen. And it's okay. Like, yes, it doesn't look great on a resume to be every two and a half, three years jumping from one position to the next. But I feel like after looking at my career to date, everything I did was for a reason. And it got me to my dream position, my dream life. I mean, everything about where I am right now, I couldn't be happier and more blessed and grateful to be here. Yeah. So in leadership, when we talk about dreams, we also use the word vision Mm -hmm. and then also purpose, you know, the purpose and vision kind of comes together to create a dream. And what it sounds like is rather than being locked into certain levels and goals, you had a feeling and a sense of a vision of the kind of life you wanted to live and the work that you wanted to do. And you just kept moving towards that. I did. And so the first lesson in leadership that we learn is to lead ourselves. And that's what you were doing. Yes. And you also said that it really doesn't matter what job you're doing. It's the people that are around you that's important. So let's come to more of the present day now. How did you start to work at Storebound and how did that transition happen where you were working with Evan and then became part of a real team? I mean, husband and wife team, right? How did that come about? And was he romantic when he actually proposed to you uh, on the top of the Empire State Building or something? Or come on. He was very romantic. And I can brief you on how that happened. It actually happened in Hong Kong. So, you know, I worked with Evan at his previous company. And then he was an owner of several other companies that I worked for as well. And then finally, after that, we said to each other, we said, let's move into Manhattan together. This was in 2010, I believe, right at the beginning. We said, let's move into the city because we were both on Long Island at the time. Let's start our own company. Let's do what we want to do for ourselves. Let's own our own calendar. Let's stop with everything that we've been doing. Like, yes, it's been amazing working at these companies. They've been great companies. We've learned so much from all of them. But let's do it for ourselves now and let's push it and see where it can take us. And so that's what we did. We founded Storebound in 2010. There was nothing easy about it. I mean, it was, you know, we put blood, sweat, and tears into this. There were so many sleepless nights, so much pressure. But we knew when we started, there was this big gaping hole in the housewares industry where we knew that we could literally just jump right in and say, this is our space now. There were all these heritage, big heritage companies out there that had amazing products that people sold like KitchenAid and other companies like that. But we knew that we could come in and we could bring in like fresh, colorful, value-driven products that other people weren't really bringing in to the market at the time. And so that's kind of how we, we found ourselves in the housewares industry. At the beginning, I thought we were gonna go into high-end shoes which I was actually really excited about at first. And then we realized that that wasn't the right direction to go in. But we ended up in housewares. We had great relationships in the industry. Evan had tons of experience from being senior VP at his housewares business. And that's kind of how we fell into creating our own business. And it was the best decision we've ever made. Evan and I founded it together. We are married. Every day I wake up and I am so blessed to have him in my life. I just love him more than words. And he is the most supportive 
unbelievably compassionate husband and I couldn't ask for anything more. But what's so funny is that we are polar opposites in so many respects. So Evan, when we founded Storebound, he is the big picture, like brainstorm big picture guy. Like he could sell anything to anybody, even if they never thought they needed it. So we'd go into customer meetings and he'd give the big, you know, pitch on who we are and our products. And I am a really fast typer. So I would be there, you know, taking notes and getting all the details down. And I have always been very much into the details. So after the meeting, we'd leave and he'd say, oh, we killed it or that was so great. And he's like, on to the next. And I'm like, hang on a second. What do you mean on to the next? Like, we have to get the orders. We have to get with the factories. We have to get, I mean, there was just, that was the beginning. That was like the tip of the iceberg. And that's when my part came in. And I kind of took it from that stage all the way through getting the orders, shipping the orders and making sure that everything happened. Yeah. So taking care of all the stuff behind the scenes, right? As I say, and so many organizations have somebody that's kind of the outside person and then you have to have the inside person. Yeah. And I've worked with entrepreneurs and technology in the past when some of the systems integration companies that I, I worked with as a VP of sales and we would sell something and then we turn to the engineers and go, we can do this, right? Exactly. <laughs> they go, Yeah. But what took you, let's say two months to sell is going to take us six months to deliver. And have you found in times that you had to slow Evan down, that Mm -hmm. you had to just say to him, okay, that's great. This is wonderful, but this is going to take us a year. This is going to take us six months to put into place. No, it's not onto the next thing because the storebound brand needs to now be able to deliver. And that's what you needed to do, right? Yeah. So how do you have that conversation with him? Well, what's funny is at the beginning we were very scrappy. Like we had to make things happen, right? Like we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, we can run this company. We can make this happen because we knew if we didn't, we were going to be right back in those jobs that we wanted to leave to do this to begin with. So it's interesting because at the beginning, when all these opportunities were coming at us, which were amazing, we were taking them as fast as we possibly could. And a lot of the time, We didn't know exactly how we were going to get them done or how we were going to manage it, but we knew that the opportunities were there and we had to take them on. And that was just the stage that we were at. And so that was many years of just taking as many opportunities and running with them as possible. And we went into a lot of different paths and we didn't have clear direction at the time, but we didn't really care because we were growing and we were learning every day and just in taking advantage of the opportunities that were coming at us. Now, fast forward five, six years later, we really had to pump the brakes because we needed to find our clear direction and understand, okay, are we working with, you know, at the beginning when we founded Storebound, it was working with a lot of inventors to help bring their products to market. And we kind of got to the point where the inventors always thought that they had the next million dollar idea. And then when you talk to them, they realize that that idea has already been manufactured and is on Google a hundred places. And so we finally kind of focused in on what was really important to us. And that's definitely the Dash brand. 
that we created, which is Small Kitchen Appliances. And we also work with celebrity chefs and iron chefs, such as Jeffrey Zakarian and Alex Gornichelli, and we make products for them as well. And so our focus you know, over the last couple of years and going into 2021 is really, you know, staying focused on what those real opportunities are and kind of putting our blinders on some of the other things that we would normally go after. Yeah. So in any business like this, any growing business, there comes a point, there's kind of a tipping point, mm-hmm. right? And what you've talked about is a process where that the beginning, the strategic direction that you're going in, the vision and the, the dream, if you will, of the company you want to build. And then after five years, as you said, we had to pump the brakes. Yeah. Here's the thing. And now I want to make this point about what the whole purpose of leadership is a responsibility, not a position, is you had to have a voice in the conversation mm-hmm. as the co-founder to the visionary, Evan, and say, hold on a second. I get this, but we've been building this, building this, building it. It's time to slow down a little bit or we're going to break this. Yeah. And that voice of reason that you offer it up to Evan, it requires him to listen, to understand, and then to be able to respond in a way different than he's been pushing for five years. Correct. How did that moment of truth occur with you two, where you had some conversations and you had to have that conversation? He had to hear his voice. I want to make this point because you said he's compassionate and thoughtful. I love working with him. And that's great. But for other leaders, they have to understand as a visionary, as an entrepreneur, you must listen to those people around you that are demonstrating, you are demonstrating leadership. So talk to me about how that came about. Yeah. So there's no question about it. So I think we also got to that point where we had to have that conversation because at the time we had a very small team, you know, all of the people that were working in our office were doing three, four times the work that any normal person would do in a business. So when Evan would bring these opportunities to us and say, I think this is great. I agreed to this, or I'm pushing forward with this. It was conversations where it wasn't just me, but it was our president, Glenn, saying, listen, we need to like pick a lane here. We need to focus. We need to have like these conversations of how, first of all, it's bandwidth, right? Like, do we have the bandwidth to push these opportunities forward? And if we feel passionate about them, then let's figure out who we need to put in those places in order to make it happen and not disappoint customers that aren't going to you know, get our best effort which is never something that we want to do. Or to overwork the employees to the point where a new opportunity comes in and you're like, are you kidding me again? Right. You know, I've got the holidays coming and I've right. got, we've got family that I want to spend time with. And you and Evan started this whole thing with the purpose of being able to control our calendar. Yeah. Now the opportunities in the calendar are controlling you. Yes, absolutely. And we had these conversations. We still to this day have these conversations. And it's not just to Evan, because there's a lot of people on the team that want to, you know, we have a partnership with Weight Watchers now. We have all these exciting partnerships and we want to be involved in all of these. But we have to just slow down. And we tell ourselves this every day, like we have to slow down and really strategically think of of where we want to go over the next year, the next year, the next year, and just pump the brakes a little. And yes, we definitely had these discussions. And Evan every day would bring in new opportunities if he could, but he totally gets it, you know, that there's only enough bandwidth and there's only enough opportunities that we can do on a given day. Yeah. So, and it is on a given day, but also saying six months or a year from now, we can put things in place 
figuring things out. Systems, processes, and people. It comes down to systems, process, and and capital. I mean, it's going to cost money to bring new employees in yeah. and to be able to take on this opportunity. And as an entrepreneurial business, really an eleven-year-old entrepreneurial business, because you're constantly being entrepreneurial with this yeah. the kinds of things that you're doing, is looking towards the future and being able to plan things out to the point where all of this activity doesn't start to control you to the point where you're beating yourself and your employees up. Exactly. And I do want to touch on culture because culture is literally our number one goal at Storebound. And that's where Evan and I, it is the number one thing that we both focus on. And I was saying before how Evan and I are polar opposites in certain respects, but in like our core values of being a person is we care so much about every single person on our team. And I think every day we are the guardian of our culture at Storebound. We make sure that everyone, you know, feels the love coming from us. And I can give examples of kind of what happened when COVID hit. I want to talk about that because, you know, people talk about this, our core culture is number one. Our employees are the most important asset. I hate that when people say that. Our people are the most important people. I mean, I just, how do you, and I, I know enough about this, but I want our listeners to hear what you did when COVID started, how you demonstrated this, what you said to your employees and the commitment that you made. Yeah. So we went into the office. It was March. It was the beginning of March. And we knew that this was unraveling in front of us. And we just had never dealt with anything like this. Nobody had. And so we all went into our president Glenn's office, Evan Glenn and myself. And we sat there and we said, okay, like, what are we doing right now? Like, this is a pivotal moment to figure out like, are we sending people home? What is our message? What? And, and deep down, we all said, our team, they are the most important things. They are a family. Like, they are a work family. I consider them my family every day. We have the most amazing team. And so what we did was we went, we pulled everybody together, and we basically said, listen, we know that this stuff is starting to travel around. We had heard that one of our employees, like his roommate, might have been exposed to somebody. And so at that point, I said, everyone has to go home. So we pulled everyone together, and we said, okay, your well-being and your family and your health is number one to us, like period, the end. Nothing else matters at this point. Like we want you guys to go home. We want you guys to know that the only thing that matters is to make sure that you guys are healthy and cared for. And also know that this is such a scary time. Like we are all, I mean, I know that I have, I am very nervous person and I worry a lot. And I knew at the time that I'm worried for my family. I'm worried for my team. I'm worried for everybody, right? And I wanted to take some of that worry away from them as best I could as their leader and say, listen, everyone here is safe. Like, you do not have to worry about we're not laying anyone off. We're not firing anyone. We're not sending you home. And then tomorrow you're going to get a phone call that you don't have a job anymore. Like, you are safe. Like, we want to take that worry completely out of the equation. All we want to do is have you focus on continuing to push everything that you're working on forward from home in a safe place. And let's just keep growing and doing what we're doing. Because luckily at that time, we were on Zoom a lot. Like we we have people all over the country that work with us. So it wasn't a foreign thing for us to be on the screen communicating like this. And I think for a lot of companies, it was very different and something that people couldn't or at the time manage, but luckily it was, it wasn't seamless by any means, but it was much easier for us than I think other companies. So what's happened since? So in the last 10 months, 
you know, what's happened to Storebound, to your company, to your employees? What's happened? You, you promised that they were going to be safe and you're committing to this. Have you been able to fulfill that? Absolutely. So not only have we fulfilled that, but we have doubled our team in size over the last year. And when you think about that, that is crazy. Even if we're in an office, that is a crazy increase in people. But when you think doing it remotely and increasing by double, it's hard to even get your head wrapped around it. And not only have we done that, but we have like successfully done it in an outstanding way, in my opinion. And, and I feel like people have come in and when we interview them, we tell them that the only people that we want on the storebound team are people that care. Like bottom line, that is all, we will not bring in or hire anyone that doesn't care. That's the most important thing because that goes back to the culture. Like we want people to feel, we don't want people coming to work every day and dreading. You know, I've been in jobs like that. It's not a feeling that you wanna have. And so we've grown substantially. And our year was, our business is on fire. I mean, I, I have no complaints whatsoever. Our team is just, I, I'm so thankful of them every day. I'm so grateful to work with such amazing people. I mean, they do their job so much better than Evan and I could ever do their job. I mean, we have an unbelievable team and everything's, you know, going great right now, knock on wood. We always talk about this in our leadership development that everything is inside out. Everything starts from the inside out. So with you and Evan and the partnership that you demonstrate is from the inside, the care, the love and, and the support that you have for each other and recognizing, as you said, we're polar opposites in terms of personality, but absolutely aligned in terms of value. And that's the, the formula for success. No question about it. And with those values and caring for each other is being able to hear each other, not just to listen, but to actually hear each other. Yep. When you have ideas, concerns, thoughts, when you're setting forth a policy and direction for this company. And I know in our conversations earlier, just listening to you and Evan talk together about the commitments you've made for your employees mm-hmm. and what that means, because then they can, it's inside out. The service they're going to provide to your customers and clients is going to be huge. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about one other thing in your culture that I'm fascinated by. And let's make sure I get this right. Better World Day. Mm-hmm. What's that about? You know, every day we're so focused on the task at hand and just our heads are down, focusing on our job. And we never really get to lift our head up and brainstorm and just think of our actual job, you know, higher, like bigger picture, but also what's going on around us in the world is so important. And I feel like everyone is so passionate about making the world a better place. And just having that type of culture within our company of making people feel like everyone's welcome and nobody's judged for any reason and share our passions about what we do outside of the company. And I think, you know, Better World was a really important thing to kind of put in place so people felt like they had that community. And so what we do is once a month, we have a full day where we either bring, you know, people in to talk to us about things like Black Lives Matter or about issues that people are having in the workforce or whatever the topic is of the day. We also did a whole environmental cleanup day a couple months ago, which was amazing. And everyone decided, you know, where do you want to go clean up? Or do you want to do something, you know, at a food bank where you can help people and feed people that are in need? And there's just 
you know, there's always a different topic for the day. And I find that everyone just loves it. And I love it. And it makes me feel so good because I feel like we're always so busy and we don't take that time out. And I feel like that's a common thread for a lot of people, not even just at Storebound, just for the world. And I think it's important for companies to really kind of take the time to allow people to get out of what they're doing and focus on the bigger picture. Yeah, that's great stuff. Get back to your community. And I, for pro bono, offer a year or two years of service to nonprofits all the time. And right now I'm working with Habitat for Humanity in Broward County, Florida, which I love it. The leader there, Nancy Robin, was on my podcast early on. And they just do great work. When you go work on a house, it's physical. You sweat. You pounded nails in. When we did it as part of our leadership program and the community service, we got to work on a house and the person that was buying the house was there with us and he and his family and we're building the first house he was ever going to own. Oh, and I it's love just like that. it brings tears to you. It's great stuff. So. It really is amazing. I want to finish up with so many great things as you talk about your beginnings from University of Rhode Island all the way down to today in the work that you do and the decisions that you make for your employees that you and Evan lead. If you could write yourself a letter and send it back to 2005, whatever number of years back that you could write it, what would you tell Rachel? What would you like the younger Rachel to hear from the wise business leader Rachel today? I, I think that's such a great question. I think I would just say, like, don't stay in your comfort zone. Like, don't expect to become successful if you're just going to sit around and not put any effort into it. Things are not going to be handed to you. And, you know, you really have to just put in the hard work. Our secret sauce was we put in tons of work and we had a little bit of luck. And I truly feel like, you know, all of my dreams have come true or coming true. And don't just stick with what you're doing if you're not happy. Like there's so many people out there that go into work every day and hate their jobs. We spend way too much time at work for us to hate all of those hours in a day. And I really would just tell myself to get up and make it happen. Yeah. And tell everybody else, because I I think that when I look at your history, you did a lot of that. And I don't know if it was a conscious choice at the time, as much as it was just a feeling that you felt, I need to learn more. I need to move on because this is who Rachel is. And now you can put those into words when you look back at your experiences and so on. And I hear this so often from the leaders on this program that say, get out of your comfort zone, take the risk, do something that you love. As a comedian once said, yeah, do something that you love that somebody will pay you for. That's even better. (laughs) That's even better in in this country. So Rachel, it's been fantastic having you on board. And I look forward to being able to distribute this along with Evan's podcast at the same week when we have your next Better World Day. I guess that actually is going to be later on this month, isn't it? Yes, it it is. Yeah, we're really really excited to have you join our team that day. I'm excited as well. So thank you so much for being our guest today, Rachel. Thank you so much, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thank you again for listening to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care, be well, and be great. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.